Okay, in order to understand this piece, we have to start with an introduction. Okay? As you all know, from what we've already learned this year, that in Hasidus, a lot of times, the Yomim Tovim, or the Parsha Sashavua, whatever's going on, it's always a platform to jump off and discuss deeper in Yonim in Kabbalah. So, Kedarka Bakaydash, the Alter Rebbe, in this piece, in Lohavim Neimayon to Pesach, and understanding the essence of Pesach, he uses it as a platform to discuss two very important concepts in Kabbalah that you might have already heard once or twice this year, but it's Kedai just to give a short introduction to make sure we understand what we're talking about. The two concepts are called Mamale Kol Almin and Saivev Kol Almin. Okay? And these are two ways that the Rebbeinu Shalom interacts with us. Memale kol almin and sovev kol almin. Memale kol almin means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu fills up the world. That means that in order for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to fill up the world, Kaviyacho, what he has to do is be mitzamtzem his light. So the maila of memale kol almin is it's direct. We're in a direct relationship with the Rebbe The chisaron of memale kol almin is the R is diminished. So it's like Yes, it's direct, but in a certain way it's diminished. Then there's something called Soivev Kolomim, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu surrounds the world. That's also a type of influence that the Rebbein Shalom is having on the world, but the way that he's having it is indirect. Soivev Kolomim is like from a distance, okay? The Mila of Soivev Kolomim is the R is not being Mitzumtzam, it's not, it's not a restricted light. But because it's not a restricted light, you can't look directly at it. Like you can't look directly at the sun. You need to look away a little bit. So Mamali Kalalmin is direct, but the light is mitzumtzum. And Saiviv Kalalmin, the light is pristine, but it's indirect. Okay? This, the Nafkamina, the big Nafkamina, he brings it here in the Psicha, we're not going to do it inside. The big Nafkamina to this is how we love the Rebbe when we look at the Rebbeinu Shalom from the perspective of Mamale Kalalmin, so how do we love the Rebbeinu Shalom? We love the Rebbeinu Shalom because he is Archias. He is giving us life in a very direct way. That's one level of love. It's a lower level of love. There's a higher level of love that emanates from Seviv Kalalmin because Seviv Kalalmin is Payola Bittal. It's like you see the Rebbeinu Shalom in his, like, in his incredible awesomeness and you feel to yourself like, wow, I don't even exist. So there's a total bittle. Remember, we spoke about once that the concept of the Rebbeinu Shalom, the way the Rebbeinu Shalom sees the world, is that we don't really exist. Like imagine in your head a man who's thinking. Is that man real? Yeah. But he has an identity. He's not real, but he has an identity. That's the way it is from the Rebbeinu Shalom's perspective towards us. The Rebbeinu Shalom looks at us and he goes... That's not real. It's just my imagination. The imagination of the Rebbe Shalom. So it's a deep concept to think about. So in us, that, that is piled an even higher level of love. More like we, we realize that there is nothing between us and the Rebbe Shalom. Because we don't even really exist. It's like uh, I once heard very beautifully that when a person says, I love you, that's not the highest form of love. Because there's still an I... There's still a you, yeah? And love is what bridges the gap between I and you. At the highest level of love, there is no more I and you. 
I'm, I'm, I, I'm not anything. My, my existence is me and your existence is you, but our love for each other has bridged the gap that I don't even know where you end and I begin. There is no I in you. So in, in Saiviv Kol Omen, there's no Rabbani Shalom in Kal Yisrael. There's just Rabbani Shalom. That's the highest level of love. So that comes from Saiviv Kol Omen. It's distant, and therefore it's Payal Abitl, but because it's distant, it also gives us the, like, the impression of like, wow, we don't even really exist. Okay? So that's just a brief introduction to Mamali Kol Omen and Saiviv Kol Omen. Everyone clear? Okay. With that, we'll begin. The Alter Rebbe asks the following question. Usually, when it comes to a Yantav that celebrates some sort of redemption, so you look at Hanukkah, you look at Purim, and when, did, when do we celebrate? Usually after the Nase has occurred. So Purim, really, the Nase occurred on Yud Gimel, so we celebrate it on Yud Dalet. Interesting, when it comes to Hanukkah, I'm not going to get into it now, really it's a machlekas between the Meiri and the Rambam. The Alter Rebbe is going over here with the Meiri. If you want, you could look over there in the Alter Rebbe's piece on Hanukkah and you'll understand why the Alter Rebbe went with the Meiri. But let's assume just for a moment, there's a concept of the Nase occurred, then usually we have the celebration. But not so when it comes to Pesach. Yeah? When it comes to Pesach, think about it. The experience of the Seder is happening exactly during Makas Bechorus. And usually right around the time that we're eating Afikomen is the exact moment, even when we know that Makas Bechorus was occurring. So we're like celebrating everything Bevasachas. Like the nace is occurring as we're celebrating. It's a very strange thing. The Alter Rebbe doesn't speak this out, but I think it's just part of the whole, part of the whole thing. There's something strange bechlal going on over here on Pesach. We did not deserve to be taken out. It's not like we, it's not like we did anything. We were, in fact, the, we know the Malachim said halalu of the Avodazar, halalu of the Avodazar. Everybody was worshiping idols and Mitzrayim alike. So bechlal, there's something going on over here. Like we're b'shas but we're celebrating. The nace is occurring. Everything's happening at once. What's going on over here? That's the Alter Rebbe's kasha. So in order to understand this, we need to first go through what is Mamali Kolomen and what is Saiviv Kolomen. Now remember, I just gave you guys a brief introduction. Here the Alter Rebbe is going to get a little bit deeper into what Mamali and Saiviv are. Mamali, Pirush Or Vechias Hanimshach Mimadrega Lamadrega. When we speak about Mamali Kolomen, remember that's the direct contact that we have with the Rebbe Nishlam. So that, as we said, the light becomes restricted. There's a symptom in the light. So what happens is that it goes through Yeridas. The light goes from one Madrega lower, 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 lower. At each stage, the light becomes more and more restricted. So it says, right? From the highest level, So the light goes through different things. So the way it goes is that each stage has like it's in charge of its world, like there's, there's higher level malachim, there's lower level malachim, there's something called the ayin sarim, not to get into right now, and all the shefa that comes into this world comes through the ayin sarim, and then from the ayin sarim, everything comes into the ayin hagashmi, into our physical world. So the light that's coming down from Mamali Kol Omen is going down in a very ordered process. From the higher levels to the lower levels, but there's a process. It's processed light. 
Like you have processed food, it has to go through a lot in order to become that piece of schnitzel that you have in front of you. So the same way, there's, there's the schnitzel kaviachal of the, uh, of the R of the Rebbein Shalom, there's a processed light. It starts off in a very pristine way, and it goes, mimadregel, 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 until it gets to the Eil Magashmi. Okay. But when it comes to soivev kolamin, because we said it's an or makif, right? it's a light that surrounds everything, and when we say it surrounds, we don't just mean in the physical world, we mean it surrounds all of the oilamas, meaning all of the spiritual worlds that exist. There's no madrega la madrega. Remember, when it comes to soivev kolamin, you're getting the pure light. From a pure light perspective... It's happening all at once. So what's happening in the highest levels and the lowest levels is all happening bevasachas. Okay, it's all happening at once. So the Rebbe is pointing out over here that the difference between mamali kol omen and soiviv kol omen is mamali kol omen, there's a process. There's a process. It takes kaviachal time. It's not happening at once. It has to go through that process. And then at the end we receive it. Masha'enke, when it comes to soiviv kol omen, even though it's from a distance, but it's all the vasachas. The way it interacts is it interacts with everything at once. There's no process that it has to go through. How can we understand this? If you want to understand this, you just have to look at yourself. You have two things that go on inside of you. Sometimes inside of us, we go through a process. Yeah? So think about it like this. Imagine a person, he sits down, and he sits down to eat a, uh, I don't know, a delicious, a delicious brownie. Yeah? So how does it work? It works that first, many, many years ago, probably when he was a child, he decided that brownies were a good thing. The first thing you need to do is you need to, not in your machshava, yeah, but just almost like in your unconscious mind, you made a decision. Brownies, delicious. Yeah? That was the first. Then, it's, it becomes like a part of your characteristic. I love brownies. Yeah? It's, it's a part of you. Right? If somebody even starts talking about a delicious brownie, yeah, you might even start to salivate. Then one day, you decide, you're walking in the store, and you decide, you have a rayon in your head, you have a, an idea in your mind, yeah? now it's not in your unconscious anymore, now it's in your mind, I want a brownie. When I go home right now, I'm going to have a brownie. You might even turn to the guy next to you and go, oh my gosh, I just realized we have these delicious brownies in the freezer, I'm going home, i got to have a brownie. Yeah, It happens, Like it, it happens, what happened? There's a process. There was, there was first, there was something called seichel, there was your, your mind, right? Not your brain, but your mind. Your mind, I like brownies. Yeah, brownies are good. Yeah, then it became a midah, it became a characteristic. Then it was in your machshav, I want a brownie. In your dibur, it became something you spoke about. But there was a process. You didn't. You were not born. Yeah, loving brownies. You didn't even know what a brownie was. However, v'habeis, there is something that you do all bevasachas all at once. Hamer al kulam Imagine if a person had to think when he was walking. When you walk, there's no process. The moment it occurs to you to, you're, that you want to walk, you're already walking. 
There's no process. It's not like when it came to that brownie. First you had to decide that brownies are a good thing. Then it became like a part of you. I love brownies. Then it's something you have to think about. I want a brownie. You know, I have to go home and get a brownie. No, no, no. When it comes to walking, you just walk. The reason, in a deep way, the reason why you have these two parts to you, one that requires a process, and the other that happens immediately, is because that is an emanation of what happens with the Rebbe Sometimes the Rebbe interacts with us in a processed way, called Mamali Kol Amin. Sometimes he interacts with us in a direct way, called Soivev Kol Amin. So you can only get to the direct to when it's present. Okay, so we're going to talk about exactly, we're going to talk about when Mamali Soivev, we're going to see, because you're going to see that, that there's a huge amount of Soivev Kol Amin in Pesach. Sure. A huge amount. But, there's a, but, but of course, Pesach comes after Purim for a reason. You're saying good. It's, there's a Hamshacha here. But the, but the idea, I think everyone here understands the idea. There's a process. Sometimes you need a process. But sometimes something is direct, like walking. You don't need to think about walking. By the way, that's why it's so painful when somebody has to, if somebody has to let's say, gets into a car accident and they have to relearn how to walk. Why is it so painful? Is it because I shouldn't have to think about walking? I shouldn't have to think about walking. That's not the way walking interacts with me in my nefesh. That's not the way it should be. Walking is something that should be a soivivical almond experience. It should be immediate. I have to train myself to make it immediate again. It's very painful because it goes against the grain of what it's supposed to be. The Rebbe Hashem created us in such a way that when we think something, immediately we can walk. So the same thing with the Rebbe Shalom. When the Rebbe Shalom decided to have an impact on the world in a soivivical kol almond type of way, it didn't have to go through any tzimtzum. There was no process. Obviously, when we're talking about the Rebbe Shalom, I just want to make clear, when we're talking about the Rebbe Shalom, there's no time. When we say time, the fact that it takes time in Ma'amali Kol Amin, that's from our perspective. Obviously, from the Rebbe perspective, there's no such thing as time. Okay. So, The reason why you can walk as soon as you think about it is because it doesn't require any of this ordered process. So too, when it comes to above, when it comes to the Rebbe there's two influences in the world. When we talk about that is the illumination that comes and it's a revelation in a revealed way meaning you can experience it in order for that to happen it needs to go from one level to the next so you're having a revelational experience with the Rebbe Shalom where you're mamish in touch with the Rebbe Shalom but because of that what you, you can't obviously be in touch with the Rebbe Shalom directly so it has to go through this process you ever heard this? You say it all the time, yeah? That the entire land, listen very carefully to the words, the entire land is filled, is filled with HaKadosh Baruch Hu's kavod. Not with him, but with his kavod, you know, with his glory, so to speak. So what does this mean? Kavodo hainu ziv. When we talk about HaKadosh Baruch Hu's covered, that's not the same thing as talking about the Rebbe Shalom himself. That's talking about the emanations of the Rebbe Shalom. Like, for example, the ziv is like the pours off, like the, like the ziv HaShemesh, yeah? The rays of the sun. It's not the sun itself, it's that which emanates from the sun. Okay? So what we have over here is, listen to the Pasuk, because it's going to be very deep. Male, like Mamali Kalaman, Male Kalaaretz, it's filling up the entire land, land and not anything else. Yeah? 
Kvaidei Hainu Ziv. Kvaidei means not the Kadosh Baruch Hu himself, but the emanations of the Rebbe Shalom. Avla Soiviv, but when it comes to Soiviv Kolomen, who She'enu Mesgala Mamish, it's not a direct revelation like by Mamali Kolomen. Rak Bebechinas Chitzonius, the impact is from a Chitzoni, from an external perspective. Avla Shaloi Dehadrag, but it's not going through that process of Tzimtzum. The Kulam Shavim Kamei. Neshamos, Malachim, Ruchnias, Vegashmias, Vaafilu Klipus. That's a very important line. When it comes to the Rebbeinishlam, and we're looking at Soiviv Kolomen, we're looking at it for the world from the Rebbeinishlam's perspective. From the Rebbeinishlam's perspective, everything is one. So from his perspective, everything is one, everything is equal. Whether that's a Neshama, whether that's a Malach, whether we're speaking about spiritual or physical, because remember, by the Rebbeinishlam, none of this really exists, right? And even klipus. Now, klipa. Remember, klipa means something that's the shell. It's covered up. Even things that are not kadosh. A klipa is something that's not kadosh. By the rebbeinu shalom, from a perspective of soiviv kol omen, everything is being impacted at once. Everything, because everything is one with the rebbeinu shalom, so everything is impacted at once. That which is good, and that which is klipa. So, yeah, this answers a fundamental question, which. We've spoken about in Tanya before, which is, how does Klippa exist in the world? The reason why Klippa has Chiyas in the world is because there's something called Soiviv Kol Omen. Soiviv Kol Omen means HaKadosh Baruch Hu is impacting everything at once. Everything means good and not so good. That which covers up the Rebbe Shalom. That's what Klippa is. Listen, so listen to this. This is a beautiful diak now. It's another Pasuk. Yeah? So it's Pasuk in Yermia. Listen to the contrast between the two Pesukim that we've read so far. See the Alter Rebbe's brilliance. Beforehand we said, Malei kola aretz Yeah? The Pasuk in Yeshaya. Malei kola aretz Malei, like Mamale Kalamin, Kol haaretz, Dafka the land. And we said, Kvaydei was Ziv. Not Hashem himself, but the Ziv. Yeah? But now when it says, listen to the, this Pasuk, Es HaShamayim, Beforehand what did we say? Just land. Now we're talking about Shamayim and Aretz. What is Shamayim and Aretz? Ruchnius and Gashmius. And also, what does he say? Ani Malay. Not Kavaydei. Beforehand we said Kavaydei. Kavaydei is the Ziv. Ani Malay, the Pasuk says. Sounds like the Rabban Shalom is interacting with himself. Not, not with his Kavod, but with himself. What does that imply, guys? What are we talking about? Mamali Kalaman or Saiv Kalaman? That must be Soiviv Kolomen, because it's talking about Ani. So when the Pasuk says, Esa Shamayim Vesaretz, Sayin Ruchnius, Sayin Gashmius, Ani Malay, that's talking about Ani, meaning Soiviv Kolomen, and that's what the Rebbe says. Ani Mahuso Veatzmuso Yisbarech Malay Ashamayim Vesaretz Beshava Mamish. The Rebbe Shalom says, when it's a Soiviv Kolomen, I'm interacting with the world, Shamayim, Aretz, it's all me, and it's all, it's the pristine me, it's not the Tzimtzum me. And for those who are just thinking a little bit, that you all know, that what do you say? What do we say in the Haggadah by Makas Bechoros? Who? who ah, so you're already starting to get the sense that on Pesach, at the pinnacle of Pesach, in Makas Bechoros, Ani, I mean the Rebbeinu Shalom is interacting in a Soviv Kol Almin type of way with the world. So you see how the Alter Rebbe is getting us set up. For such a deep dive. Remember, we started off and we're asking, why are we celebrating Pesach in the midst 
of Makas Bachoros that is coming, setting it up. There's such a thing called Madrega le Madrega. The light is being misumtsam, it's being restricted. So there's a direct connection with it, but the light is refracted. Masha'en when it comes to Sayyid Kalam, and there's an indirect connection, but everything is at once. So far, so good? Good? Okay. I know it's late at night. Can we handle a little bit more? Too deep? Too deep, okay. Now, you, guys are, you guys are holding strong. Okay. I told you this, when in, in real Hasidus, when you learn it, it's, it's as hard as I think you'll ever learn. You really have to think. You really have to think. But that's what's also so beautiful about Hasidus. So I try to tell people, it's not poetry. It's the science. It's the science of everything that's going on. You see how, what we're talking about over here. Beryl, you and I have been doing this all year. We're talking about really getting to the depth of the way that the Rebbe Shalom works. Okay? Okay. A little bit more? Okay. I say, I love it. You guys are pushing it. Mamish Ben Azmanim, and you're pushing it. Unbelievable. Okay. Vihine bepesach ksiv, pesach Hashem ala pesach. Pirish, shahoya ha nais, alyde hiskalus haara bebechinas dilug. The nais was that the rebunish, well, I shouldn't say this was the nais was, but the nais was a revelation of Akalish Baruchu in a, in a process called skipping. Akalish Baruchu skipped over the Jewish houses. Yeah? Pesach, he skipped over. If you're thinking about what that means from a deeper wisdom, from the Pneumius Hatayra, from a deeper way of thinking, you realize that when we talk about skipping, what does that mean to us who understand Mamali Kalaman and Saiv Kalaman? Mamali Kalaman is not any, there's no skipping. Mamali Kalaman is everything is ordered. Yeah? But here, when a Kaddish who skips, he skips. What does that mean he skips? To us, in the Pneumius Hatayra, what we think is. He's talking about Saiv of Kalaman. Skipping the entire process. That's what it means. Pesach is another way of saying he skipped, means he skips the whole process of Tzimtzum. It's just the Saiv of Kalaman. The Rabbanu Shalom, in, again, in an indirect way, but in a pristine way, impacting on everything. This is what it means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem, as you said before, as HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, that it's, it's him, it's not a malach, it's just it's the Rebbe Nishalom himself. Why did it need to be that it's the Rebbe Nishalom himself and not a malach? We've seen before that there are times that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will send a malach to destroy an enemy camp. But Dafke in Mitzrayim, for some reason... The Rebbein Shalom himself came, and not a Malach. Yeah, but that was the, that was the Makkah that really convinced. In, in Hasidus, when we look at Makkah's Bechoros, they ask the question, a lot of, a lot of the, the Bali Machshava and the Bali Hasidus ask the question, why did Nakalosh Baruch lead off with Makkah's Bechoros? Had he led off with Makkah's Bechoros, it would have convinced them right away. Makkah's Bechoros wasn't just the nail in the coffin. Makkah's Bechoros, the Rebbein Shalom knew the entire time, this could do it. But he didn't want to lead with that for whatever reason. But Makas Becheres, that was the Kodesh Baruch Hu's 
Kilu is ace in the hole. I think I heard like a measure sometime that was like the Malcham of it's like went around, like it was killing all the firstborns. I also heard another measure so it was the gas that was going around. I'm saying we, we know that God says Anivalo Malch. That was the Rebbein Shalom himself, and not yeah, anything like, else. All these like that was like you know that um the comic book, the Pesach comic book. So like that's what it was. Then. I don't I don't know how to answer the Pesach comic book. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with the other Rebbe on this one. You know? I love you, but you know it's just. I don't know if it weighs out, you know. I'm gonna. I, I, I feel bad. I, I have to go to Rebbe, you know. Okay. The Atam Shal Yitzarch Liyoskein, Velokim Ba'Machasachirov Shenavra Yitzar Malach Hashem Ve'Yach Ba'Machane Asher Ve'Chaim B'Sisro. Different times that it was with a Malach. Why is it different over here in Yisias Mitzrayim? Kisham Hayirak Shlichus Bavad L'Davar Mucha. Say you pogabahim. Over there, in those cases, there was a direct command: Go destroy them. Not so when it came to Makas Becheris. Over there, it wasn't such a simple thing. Who, who belongs to who? That wasn't a simple thing in Mitzrayim because everybody was messing around with everybody over there. So who's the Bechar of who? So it says, So for what, again, whatever this means, we have to take it on our level. A malach wasn't able to ascertain who's a bechar and who's not a bechar. Basically, it's mafurish and bab metzia that way. Gemara and bab metzia basically says the rebbeinu shalmas dafka came himself to see who was a bechar and who was not a bechar. Why that couldn't be done through a malach, I don't know. But apparently, a malach doesn't have that capacity. I, some people want to say, and the Rebbe's not happy with this, some people want to say, the reason that a Malach couldn't go down to Mitzrayim is because it's, it's too Tameh. So the Rebbe says, what do you mean? So, you know, there, we see that there were times when a Malach Taka did go down to a very Tameh place, like B'machana Sancheirev. So the Rebbe's, not com- the Rebbe's not convinced that that's the reason, but he says, whatever the, time, whatever the reason is, everything comes out one thing. One thing you see for sure. The Rebbeinu Shalom is coming down himself. What does that mean that the Rebbeinu Shalom is coming down himself? For us, what is that code for? That's code for Soivev Kol Omen. When it's the Rebbeinu Shalom and not an emanation of the Rebbeinu Shalom, that's called Soivev Kol Omen. Vizehu Ani. That's the depth. Shem, what you were saying before. Ani Malach. What does Ani mean? Like just like we said before, es hashamayim ve'es aretz ani malei. So when I, when we when when we say in the Haggadah ani v'lo malach, it means soiviv kol omen. That the Rebbeinu Shalom, in his purest form, without any refraction of the light, that's what was in the point of revelation by Makas Becharos. Now you're already starting to get an idea of the depth and the power of Makas Becharos, because it was the Rebbeinu Shalom himself, not his ziv. Not as covered, but the Rebbeinu Shalom himself. The Rebbeinu Shalom here is not coming in a way of hadraga, yeah? Even though we'll see how the word seder plays out of here, because seder would sound like ordered, yeah? But here it's bebechinas dilug, especially by makas bechoros, bebechinas dilug, that he's skipping that entire mamali kolomen process right to the seviv kolomen. And with what we've set up until now, we can now begin to understand the original question that we asked and the answer. What is a yontif? A yontif is when the Rebbeinu Shalom approaches us and he's being mashra kedusha onto us. 
Kedusha, let me just make clear what Kedusha means. Kedusha means holiness, but really Kedusha means the transparency of the Rebbeinu Shalom. So in a Zman of a Yontif, the Rebbeinu Shalom is more apparent in the world. Ki'ilu, in a Yontif, the Rebbeinu Shalom took the first step towards you. So all you have to do, right, is open up to receive the Rebbeinu Shalom. In a Yontif, there's a Hashra from above. There's a Hashra Kedusha from above. He's made himself more apparent. Normally, if we want to receive the Rabbanu Shalom, if we want to allow ourselves to receive his transparency, what do we need to do first? We need to take away all the blockages. Right? Like you want to allow something in, you have to take away all the blockages. It's like anything. You have to remove that which is evil first in order to make yourself a vessel to receive the Rabbanu Shalom. That's normally the way it goes. Vilachain, Gabe Purim, Mitchila Harug Besenayem, yeah, Elef, Shayua Malekim She Klipatsuma. Initially on Purim, what did we need to do? First we need to get rid of all the Amalekites. Yeah, let's get rid of all of them first. Right? Only then, yeah, and and and, and, and Amalek is Klipatsuma. Amalek is not just Tama Klipa. That's a very profound Klipa when we're talking about Amalek. The Ksiv, Reishis Goyam Amalek, Vacharisa, Adeoved, Ksiv, Machatimcha. Okay? Again, without getting into too much over here, but just suffice it to say, we know how the Torah wants us to destroy Amalek, yeah? That's a Machatimcha, we have to get rid of them, yeah? That's Mechias Amalek. Amalek is serious business. First we get rid of all the bad. Let's get rid of Amalek. Let's get rid of the shell. Then we will be vessels to receive the Rebbe That's the way it works on Purim. I thought, and we learned by Purim with the Marmar in the Chudus Mavaris actually, that, uh, that you break your clay on Purim. You don't have a clay unlike every other. It's true. It's true. You're not saying you're wrong. That's what the author Rebbe says over there. But you're talking about a different facet of this conversation. Mm-hmm. In terms of the order, first there has to be a biyatahara. First there has to be getting rid of the evil. Only then can I begin to receive the receive the Rebbe Shalom. The way that I receive the Rebbe Shalom, on Purim, Enechanami is going to be um, beyond the natural Kli. But first it has to happen in a natural way. That's, by the way, why Purim really, if you read the story without knowing any of the Mamar Chazal, it's not a miraculous story. It's not a miraculous story. Right? Everything happens in a, in a very ordered way. We happen to have somebody who was in the palace who could be a Yoetzes for She could be somebody who could be, you know, go to, the, go to Ahasuerus and say, you're, you're, you're trying to destroy Klal Yisrael. It's not a miraculous story if you read it like that. So there's a certain order to it. We know that there's a deeper thing going on. Not going to be true by Pesach. So by Purim, the first step is, the revel, the first step is getting rid of the bad stuff. Just to understand, if you want to bring the king in to your ha- to a house, what is the first thing you need to do? Clean the house. You can't bring the king into a dirty house. So that's the way it is on Purim. On Purim, we have to clean house first, get rid of Amalek, get rid of the Ra, and then only afterwards can we allow the Rebbe Shalom to come in and take his Dira B'Tachtayna. That's why on Purim there's really two days. The first day is getting rid of everything that's bad, and then afterwards there's the revelation. 
Now let's understand in a deeper way. Why does Purim have to take place in parts? Because it's a mamale kol almin type of experience. So there's a process. Process number one is I remove that which is bad. Process number two is I bring the Rebbe Shalom in. That's good. So there's a process. It can't happen at once. It doesn't make any sense to happen at once. It's a process. That's what it is. That's what it is in its nature. There's a process to it. But when it comes to Sayyid of Kalaman, remember, what do we say? Go back to the introduction. What do we say about Sayyid of Kalaman? We're looking at it from the perspective of the Rabbanu Shalom. From the perspective of the Rabbanu Shalom, none of it really exists. So by him, it's all one. He's impacting all of it at once. So now we can start to get a sense of why the Nais, why we can celebrate even though we're still Mamish and Mitzrayim. Makas Bechayos is happening, and we're in the middle of our celebration. Everything is happening in Why? Because what's the revelation of Pesach? Not a Mamale Kolomen, but a Soiviv Kolomen. Aval Neis de Pesach, Shehoya Aliyadei Gile Bechina Soiviv Kolomen. Sheeinu Bechina Seschalkus. There is no division when it comes to when it comes to Seviv Kolomen. Everything is once. Everything is being illuminated all at once. As we said, the good, the bad, everything is being illuminated at once. So now you can understand why these two exact opposites can happen at once. At once we can experience Makas Bechairis, and at the same time we can be experiencing redemption. I, we're still in the middle of Mitzrayim, we're still in the middle of the Klippa. In the world of Hafsayv Kol Almin, everything happens at once. So literally, exactly at that moment, where we're mamish in Yisiyas Mitzrayim, at the very same time, Makas Bechoros is occurring, and we're already saying halal. I We haven't even left yet. But by us, that's okay. In the world of Sayyid Kol Almin, to be ex- experiencing multiple things at once is not a stira. That's, I once heard, just to bring it down to a practical level, I once heard that a definition of the word maturity is to be able to hold multiple conflicting emotions at once. So like a person on the one hand is very, very angry, and they're very upset, and they're very hurt. That's one emotion. And at the same time to remain calm, cool, and collected. And not to be, again, it's not ignoring the angry part of you, because that's usually just suppressing the anger. But literally to be able to hold two conflicting emotions at once. That's the world of Sayyid Kalaman. That two exact opposite things are mamish occurring at the same time. I'm in Mitzrayim and I'm saying halal. Mamish occurring at the same time. Why can I do that? Because I'm living now in the world that's way above my world. It's above, above any concept of any, even a ruchniest concept. Even the highest levels of Atsilus, by Sayyid Kol Almin, it's all one. It's all one. Everything is one. That's where you go on Pesach. You go to a level of Sayyid Kol Almin where you're seeing everything's from the Rebbe Nishal's perspective, everything is one. So even though I'm in Mitzrayim, am I really? I'm saying halal. I'm literally able to do two things at once. I'm not able to live in a different world. This might be the key to happiness on some level. Because when a person is suffering from tremendous pain, if they're living from the, from the perspective of a mamalikal almond, so that's one level. They can say, the Rebbe Nishalom is doing this to me for whatever reason, in the world of Soiviv Kol Omen, you can mamish be in Mitzrayim and you could be singing Hal. It's not a stira to each other. It's a very, very high level. 
I'm not sure that we should expect that from ourselves right now at our stage in life. But the truth of the matter is that there is something like that where a person can go and he can be above everything. I can see the world almost from outside of myself. I can see, I can see it like Kilo, it's in a movie. Like it's not really happening in a certain way. And obviously, I'm just with the Rebbein Shalom and I'm just happy about being with the Rebbein Shalom. That's called Soiviv Kol Amin. The Rebbe says that which people say that it was in two different times. This is before. This is afterwards. The Rebbe says it's not true. Everything happens at once. Everything happens at once. Kaya to continue. Kaya to continue. Okay. He brings over here in the Mavuera something I just want to speak out before we get to the third parak. Which is also very, very difficult. Again, at any point, if you guys want to stop, I mean, this mom is tremendous. Benaz man, I'm pushing yourself at a quarter to 11 at night to be working on this. But, uh, what uh, time is the last class? You have time, you have time. Yeah. You have time, yeah. You have time. We'll go a little bit longer. We don't have to go, we don't have to do the whole thing. We could pick it up a different time too. But uh, just to finish up, at least this part, to finish up. He brings here, he brings here something I think is important to read inside. We'll go through it a little bit faster, but it's a very... Big Yisoyed in Chassidus. He says, Yadu'a shakol anyanam amvoram b'sifer ha-kabbalah v'chassidus v'vir anyanam al-dayar chassoyed yish lahem bitoy ba'avaydus Hashem b'pol. It's not, it's not the way of Chassidus to just speak out Kabbalah without having a practical nafkamin at the end. You have to be able to walk away with something. So he wants to speak out over here and the Mavuera says, okay, we've, we, right now we're holding by a very big Yisoyed in Kabbalah. We're holding by the deepest secrets. Now we're holding by Mamali Kolomen and Soiv Kolomen. We have to take something practical to walk away with. Even though we're in the middle of the piece, we have to stop right now to be able to take something away. That's why I wanted to stop to Dafka read this part of the piece because I think it's very important. Let's let's talk about what it means to live with two opposites at once. The small you all know that there's that there's Maimer Chazal that a person has to push away with the left hand and he has to pull close with the right hand. That some, sometimes you have a need. You have to, you have a child. The the child needs a patch for whatever reason. I don't mean necessarily a physical patch, but the child needs a, a, a reprimand, something that the child needs. That always has to be with the left, with the right hand, with the stronger hand. You always have to be bringing things closer. So at, it's at once, the small is pushing away, and you have to tell that it's not okay, that's a boundary, that's a border, you can't cross. But it always has to be, in all of our interactions, with everybody in life, even when we have to pull away, but it always has to be noivea from a place, it always has to be flowing from a place where I'm bringing a person closer. Sometimes a person needs to say, you're not doing the right thing, and nevertheless they're bringing somebody closer. i give you an example, a beautiful story that I heard about a... Uh, Chabad rabbi out in South Africa, that uh, he was that the community wasn't so happy with the I guess with the rabbanim that were there beforehand. They got a new they got a new rav, and uh, this guy was sitting you know Jewish guy he was sitting in a restaurant on Shabbos. He was sitting like I guess it was like a cafe, and he was sitting outside on Shabbos eating at the at the uh, at the cafe. And. This rabbi is walking, I guess, walking home from shul on Shabbos, and he sees this guy sitting in, in a cafe, on Shabbos. And it's clear he's being mechal Shabbos. You know, he's going to pay for it, obviously. So, the rabbi walks over to him and he goes, Shabbos. 
and the guy inside of his head is like sitting there, you know, Ugh, here we go again. You know, it's another one of those rabbis that's just giving me a hard time about Shabbos. And he's just sitting there. And the rabbi turns to him again and he goes, Shabbos! And the guy's just like, he's getting frustrated in his head. Like, you know, what do you want from me? I'm not an observant Jew. Why are you pressuring me? He's building up like this anger and anger. And then finally the rabbi turns to him a third time and goes, Shabbos! How could you be sitting here in a cafe on Shabbos? You belong in my house. You should come to my house for Shabbos. He says, so come with me. Come to my house for Shabbos lunch. And that's what happened. That's what happened. He went home with him for Shabbos lunch. Now the guy learns it in the yeah, that's like, that, yeah, it's one of those stories. Why? Because it was the perfect balance of... He was pushing away with the left hand. He was telling him, it's Shabbos. You don't belong in the cafe on Shabbos. But he said, but where do you belong? You belong in my house for Shabbos. The smallest daicha, but the yamin is mikareves. That's how it has to be. A two mamish opposite things. You can, you're pushing away and pulling close at the same time. As a Rebbe, and you'll see this one day, in your own families and with your own Talmidim, you'll see that the, the balance of telling somebody no, but making them feel like it's a yes, is a very tough balance. To be able to say to a Talmud, I do this because I care, yeah, even when it's uncomfortable for the Talmud, and maybe the Talmud is complaining, but you're setting the boundary, and you're setting the border, and you're saying, you can't do this. You can't just, whatever it is, fill in the blank. And at the same time, you're making him feel loved. Very tough balance to strike. If it's done with even the smallest amount of yemin daicha, and small mekareves, and it's out of balance, meaning if you're drawing close with the left hand and pushing away with the right hand, it's not going to work. How does this relate to what we're talking about? We'll see. There's such a thing called a mitzvah saseh and a mitzvah lo saseh. Okay? Sometimes the Rebbein Shalom tells us to do something. Sometimes the Rebbein Shalom tells us don't do something. Like in any relationship. Yeah? Sometimes the wife says what she wants you to do. And sometimes she says what she doesn't want you to do. What happens if you do what the wife doesn't want you to do? That's a problem. Yeah? That's not going to work out so well. Yeah? And so what if you ignore what she wants you to do? That's also a problem. Like in any relationship. There's... there's there's a, a shetach where the relationship exists. It's called the do's and don'ts of the relationship. So the same thing is true of our relationship with the Rebbe Nishlam. There's do's and don'ts. This is what the Rebbe Nishlam says. Don't eat this. Do, put on tefillin, whatever it is, yeah? Do's and don'ts. The do's and don'ts of being in this relationship. So what does this mean? The mitzvah slosa say, when there's a mitzvah that's a leisase, that's the Rebbe Nishlam's way of saying, push this away. This is not for you. This is not a good thing. This is, as we learned in Tanya, Dvarim Asurim. These are things that have no shaykhahs to the Elam Akdusha. They don't belong to you. The key of mitzvah sase, what does it mean the Rebbe Nishlam tells you to do something? That's the Rebbe Nishlam saying, bring this into yourself. This is a good thing. This is a healthy choice. Yeah, bring this in. And also that, that physical thing that you did with it. Like we've spoken about many times, the trickle-up effect. You've heard me talk about the trickle-up effect this year? Just like there's a trickle-down effect. What's a trickle-down effect? The trickle-down effect is when you open up a Walmart. Yeah? You open up a Walmart. How many jobs did you just create? Again, I'll, be, I'll, I'll exaggerate it. Yeah? Even though it's all true, but I'll exaggerate it. So now think about all the products that are now put on the shelves of a Walmart. Yeah, how many thousands and thousands of products? 
First of all, somebody had to manufacture those products, which means that somebody had to make the warehouses that would manufacture those products, and the machines that would manufacture those products, and there were all those workers that went into being manufactured those products, and all the workers that went into being manufactured the machines, and all the workers that went into being manufactured the warehouses, and then there was all the shipping, and all the people that manned the shipping, the people that manned the gas stations that were able to get the ships gassed up, all the people that worked on the boat, yeah, everybody that got from China, because all things are made in China, that got it from China to Walmart, yeah, Imagine going to China and not being able to find what you need. It's crazy. Everything's made in China. I should be able to get anything I want over there. Yeah? So all those people, all those thousands and thousands of people that, and all the people that made the gas stations and all the people that made the pumps and all the, every single thing went into getting that, you know, little doll, yeah, over to that Walmart. And then you have the people that work in the Walmart itself, the cashiers and the maintenance men and uh, the, you know, the and there's people that stock the shelves and all the people in the corporate offices of Walmart. There's a trickle-down effect with that money, yeah? When you spend a dollar in Walmart, that dollar is so powerful because it's impacting all of those different people. So in Yiddishkeit, there's something called the trickle-up effect. When a person does a mitzvah, yeah, when they take a cup of water and they make a bracha over it, I already made the bracha on this cup of water, yeah? When you, make, when you take a cup of water and you make a bracha over it, think about how many people I've impacted. The people that made this bottle, yeah? The bottling plant. The people that went into the, making the water. The people that shipped it. All the people that were involved in all the shipping. Every single thing, they were impacted by this bracha. So when the Rebbe Shalom tells us, do this, what is the Rebbe Shalom really saying to us? He's saying, this is good. This is good. This is good for you. It's going to bring some a little bit more transparency of me into your life. And even furthermore, this Dover Hamagusham, it's a good thing. It's open. It's open to having the Rabbanu Shalom revealed within it. And therefore, it has a tremendous impact. Anybody that was now involved in that water getting to my cup has been impacted by that bracha. That's a wild thing to think about. Imagine how hard it would be if you really were conscious of this all the time to miss a bracha. That would be like giving away a million dollars every single time you missed a bracha. I had the most incredible opportunity to have such an enormous impact on the world and I just threw it away? No way. You don't see it though. It's hard. Like I said, you have to be conscious of it. But, it's, but again, but it, but it exists. It's no less real than that Walmart trickle-down effect. It's much more real than the Walmart trickle-down effect. Okay? So we have a mitzvah saseh and a mitzvah saseh. Mitzvah saseh means the Rebbe Shalom says, keep that away. Mitzvah saseh says the Rebbe Shalom, bring this in. This comes down to, when he talks about things, lo saseh, things that we shouldn't do, and saseh, things that we should do, it basically comes down to avas Hashem and yiras Hashem. Avas Hashem, Obviously, as the, the mitzvahs I say, right? If you love Hashem, what are you going to do? You're going to do what He wants, yeah? And if you fear Hashem, you're going to stay away from that which He tells you to stay away from, yeah? Like, if a person loves their wife, what are they going to do? Whatever she wants. If your wife tells you, you know, I need your help, what are you going to do? You're going to help her, yeah? And if you fear your wife, and mitzvah Hashem, you will appropriately fear your wife, yeah? Then if she tells you not to do something, don't do it. Because you will suffer the wrath of the wife. Yeah? This is not something that you want to experience. Kedi'isa betanya, da'ava, I'm aware that she's in the next room, don't worry. Kedi'isa betanya, da'ava, he shares the kiyam ramach, this is what the tanya means, the parak that 
love of Hakadosh Baruch Hu is the shirish of all the mitzvahs to say. When a person is on fire with love for the Rebbe Shalom, he's just so passionate, and it's just flying out of him. So then if I love Hashem so much, what do I want to do? I just want to do whatever He wants me to do. I just want to do it. I'm so in love with you. Just give me another opportunity to do something for you. I'm on it. You know? Was that? So bitter is a hundred percent correct. Yes, Shimon, excellent. Ahava is I want to do. Yira is a bitl. Yira is always pole a bitl. That's why Yira and Ava come together because without, if you only have Ahava and there was no bitl in you, so then there's no room for the Rebbe Shalom to come in. That's called I love you. I'm still I and you're still you. When there's an Ava v'yira, so it's pole a bitl. Now the love makes the I and the you into a we. Now there's true intimacy. Very well said, Shimon. Perfect. Being, having alacrity, yeah, being careful when it comes to not doing the wrong things, what we put into our mouths, how we speak, yeah, v'chulu v'chulu, that comes from the shayr, that, that comes from the shayrish of Yira. I don't want to rebel against the king. I don't want to do anything that's going to upset the king. Not not Yira when I say not. I, I was joking around before when I said the the wrath of you know the wrath of the wife. When we talk yeah. about Yira, and in, in the deepest level, it's I would I would never want to do that to you. I, I I'm, I'm so inspired by you. I find you so incredibly awesome. I would never want to do that. That's the that's the highest level of yira. I you'll say love and love and fear are two opposite midos. It's not possible that two that these two things could exist in a person at once. Yeah, how could I love and fear you at once? It doesn't make any sense. I should I should be terrified of you and totally in love with you at the same time. That's very emotionally confusing. Maturity. What was that? Maturity. Yeah, that, but, but exactly, but that's what it's going to come down to. There are people that in this world, they're mamish just like pulling everybody in. There's certain tzaddikim, we see this with certain rebellion, I'm sure you have this, that it's just like, like no matter what, they just have the kindest, sweetest words, and you just feel so safe. And they just no matter what, outsadik, don't even worry about that avera. Just come closer, just come closer, just come closer. Very beautiful to be around those people. On the other hand, we also need people, and many of us also love and find attractive those other people that our mamish is bashing, bashing that ra out of you. And I've seen guys walk out of Musar Shmuzin where the Rebbe was mamish is bashing, and they walk out and they go, "What do they say? That was awesome, yeah." <laughs> Why? What just happened? The guy mom just sat there beating you over the head. Do you realize what you're putting inside of your brain watching that stupid Game of Thrones? You, do you understand? And you and guys walk out and say that was awesome. You know why? Because there are people that their their natural type, their natural teva is a hava, bringing people close. There are people that their natural teva is zero. To have both of those at one time. That's only when you're talking about the natural order of things. Yeah, that this one is a little bit more Ahava and this one is a little bit more Yira. But guys, we're, 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 not, we're not holding by Mamali Kalaman. We're holding by Seyvah Kalaman. What does Seyvah Kalaman mean? The Vasachas. Everything at once. Nothing is a stira. 
There is a higher level. This is what it means to leave Egypt. What does Mitzrayim mean? Restriction. The word Mitzrayim means Metzar. It means to be constricted and restricted. When a person is in Mitzrayim, it means he's trapped within himself. He's trapped. He's trapped within himself. When a person leaves, that tr- imagine if you could be free. Imagine if we could truly be free. We're not worried about what anybody else thinks of us. We could just be who we want to be. We don't have to worry about anything. I'm going to get up. I'm going to have the greatest davening. I'm going to have the greatest learning. I don't care what you think. I'm not, I'm not free. And I'm even free from myself. Forget what other people think. I'm even a free of, from all of my fears. That would be unbelievable. That's called Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. That's what Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim means. Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim really means that I can reach the highest level of Avedis Hashem. Not like what we were talking about up until now, which again is a very high level. That guy that's just bringing people close and that guy that's mamish just beating out the Ra. Those are beautiful levels, but that's not the highest level. There's a higher level where it's so echad, you're living on such a higher plane that you can mamish live in all of those dimensions at once, free from any constraints, from constraints from within, constraints from without. You can live with everything kulo How are you getting there? That's what we're discussing right now. And you're supposed to live like that every day in your life? We are humans, and therefore we won't, but we have the ability, and specifically on Pesach, we have the ability to reach this madrega. So yes, there are people that are living with both of them at once, and we can aspire to that. That's what Yitzhiyat Mitzrayim is. Yitzhiyat Mitzrayim is not just something that happened historically. It's something that exists now in the world that we have the ability to tap into. And that means that a person can leave that restriction behind. And he can live like that. There is something called Mitzrayim. The same way there is Mitzrayim as we spoke about in Tanya, the same way everything that exists in Kedusha exists in Tumah, everything that exists in Tumah exists in Kedusha. So the same way there's restriction on a Tomei level, there's restriction on a Kedusha level as well. Mitzrayim means that you're restricted. Sometimes you get stuck with Kedusha. You get stuck only what's natural for you. And you're not able to do what's unnatural. So you can serve Hashem, and you are serving Hashem incredibly, but only in a natural way, limited to what your natural kaiches are. We're going to go, we're talking now about something even higher than that. The Inyan Yesiyat Mitzrayim, who? What is Yesiyat Mitzrayim of Kedusha? It means Hayetziyah Mehagvalos Vahagdaros Tivias Nasho. I'm even able to go beyond my natural teva. So if beforehand I was only able to take a layup, now I'm knocking down every three. So that means in the world of Kedusha, if that means that before, before this I wasn't able to relate to learning, I was only able to relate to davening, now you can relate to davening and learning. If you could relate to davening and learning, but you couldn't relate to chesed, now you can relate to chesed. If you could relate to davening, learning, and chesed, but you're not able to relate to simcha, now you could relate to simcha. If you could relate to davening and learning and simcha and chesed, but you couldn't relate to, I don't know, chesedus, now you can relate to chesedus. You can relate, in this world of Yisrael Mitzrayim, you can go beyond your natural teva. You can go, it doesn't matter, you're not restricted anymore, you can do whatever you want. You can live on such a plane that 
You don't even see the restrictions. They don't even exist for you anymore because you're above it all. You're seeing it from outside. Let me say it to you the way that I once heard it from one of my Rebbeim, which is a very deep way, and you really have to think deeply about this. I know it's very late at night also. It's very hard to think deeply about these things late at night. And especially after you guys have mamash had a hard day of working. Now you know what it means to be a balabas. You work all day and you come over and you learn chassidus at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> that's, that's obviously the way it goes. The, um, i just tell you, mamash, the deepest, the deepest way of thinking about it. If a person lives in their reality then they're trapped by their reality. And they can only do that which is natural to that reality. What does that mean, living in reality? Meaning, if I believe that this is real, everything in my life is real. This table is real, this cup is real, my wife is real, my children are real, everything is real, these walls are real, everything is real. So I'm trapped by this reality. I can't walk through that wall. That wall is real, right? But imagine if you were really able... In a, in, a, in a profound way to see the world from the revengeful's perspective. Like we said before, that man in your head who's thinking, he's not real. Therefore, since the man in your head who's thinking is not real, if the man in your head who is thinking decides to fly, can he fly? Yeah. Of course. Because he's not real. When you learn that you're not real, then you can do anything. But we are trapped by reality. That is because you are living in a mamalical omen type of way. You can't actually do certain you can't, things. You can't Maybe fly. you can. Yeah, because you think that you can. Maybe you can. can. There's such a thing called kfisa saderech. Kfisa saderech, like for example, the Rashi says it by Yaakov Avinu. That Yaakov Avinu turned around and all of a sudden he found himself thousands of miles away, right by the Makam HaMikdosh. Or prophecy, for example. Exactly. How can somebody know the future? Is that any is that any more logical than flying? Well, no. But back in the day, if everyone did it, it oh, seemed to be good. How, so how did they do that? I'm telling you how they did that. They did that because they were in a dimension where they realized this isn't real, and all of a sudden they could see things bevas achas. We can't do that nowadays. Can't so, saying, so nowadays we are on a much lower level, but we have to know that that exists even within ourselves for our own yisiyat mitzrayim. So as long as you're trapped in your reality, and this is the way guys talk, I'm sure now, now that you're holding your Kemat Shana Bet, you're holding by Pesach of your Shana Aleph, so like we were just joking around before, like the Shana Aleph guys next year, they're going to go, so what, is, what do Shana Aleph guys say in the beginning of the year? They're trapped by their own reality. I can't do this yet, blaming everybody and everything around them. Why? Because they're trapped in that reality. The more mature you become, the older you become, you realize reality is malleable. Reality is very flexible. In fact, we know that simply by having a positive outlook on life, your entire reality changes. How did that work? All of a sudden, the guy comes into work and he's smiling and all of a sudden things just go better for him? Reality is not real. Reality is a choice. Now today, all of the biggest thinkers are finally realizing this. All the psychologists, all the motivational speakers, they're realizing reality is a choice. I'm going to take responsibility for my reality because I determine what reality I live in. So I don't have to be trapped. I was thinking about that. Another yeah. thing, though, like if you like go through life and you go through college saying like, "Oh, I want to do be a doctor," 
than like any other like amazing offense that come to you. It's like, no, 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 I just want to be a doctor. I want to be a doctor. And like you don't know, maybe you just like could have had like a better life by doing something else. That's right. It's like yeah, if you just keep your mind open. You're like, you know, I'll do whatever like comes my way. Just uh, you'll you'll probably pro- be like a better. Yeah, you'll have you'll you'll probably be able to. Again, there's something to be say said it. about doing, being driven for a particular goal. Yeah, but but like, at the same time, yes, a person that's open to life's experiences is going to experience a very rich type of life. His reality becomes richer. So I can choose to be happy. I can choose not to get stuck. I can choose not to be lazy. I can choose to wake up with passion and purpose. How do you, how do you choose to be happy? Okay, I'll give you an example. I was listening to uh, one of these motivational speakers today. Chachma Bagayim Tamin. This is one of these real Chachamim. And he gave, he gave a tremendous marshal. His marshal was that uh, he decided he wanted to learn how to play golf. So he hired a golf pro. And the first time out there, he was mamish cranking him out. He was just knocking shots back. He was doing unbelievable. His second time, everything is landing in the sand and in the water. And he was going crazy. So, of course, what do you do? You blame the golf pro. Because nobody wants to take responsibility for themselves, right? <laughs> so he says to the golf pro, he says, obviously this is your fault because even if I'm going to be playing at a low level, but I should be able to be consistent at this low level. I'm like jumping up and down one day. I'm good. The next day I'm terrible. So the golf pro says to him, you're actually only one millimeter off. He says, what do you mean I'm one millimeter off? He goes, if you would hit the ball one millimeter this way, the ball's not going to end up in the water. The extreme change over there, yeah, with it ended up being in the water or ended up being in the sand trap, is just a one millimeter change over here. Mm-hmm. This is an incredible thing when you walk through life and you realize while everything is going crazy, you realize it just needs a one millimeter change. Then he brought a second example, and we know this to be true in Hasidus, that the difference between beautiful and ugly is one millimeter. For example, if there's one millimeter between your lip and your nose, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. There's supposed to be the exact amount of your eye, yeah, in between your your nose and your and your upper lip. It's supposed to be that exact amount. Now everyone's going to be checking for themselves to make sure make sure that they're beautiful. It's interesting. If it's less than one millimeter, if it's less than one meter, you're incredibly ugly. If it's more than one millimeter, if it's two millimeters, you're incredibly ugly. We know this in Hasidus, in Kabbalah, there's a concept called the symmetry of the face, which is based on the nose. So I'm glad that these plastic surgeons are figuring it out now. Don't worry, we knew it already. Rashbi knew it thousands of years ago. It's good, they catch up to us, it's cute. But the, um, it just takes them more time, you know. We have to have Rachmanus on them, you know, they don't have it as a Messiah. It's like they climb to the top of the mountain and we're sitting there the entire time. They're like, how'd you get up here? We were born up here, you know, we were born on the shoulders of giants. So, um, so the idea is that a one millimeter change yeah, makes all the difference in the world. It's the difference between ending up in the sand trap or the water or on the green. It's the difference between being beautiful or ugly. Now watch this. It's the difference between being confident and being broken. When you walk around like this, when you walk around like this, how much of a difference does that make? You walk into a meeting and you're like this or like this. It's an enormous difference. One millimeter. So how do I live... To answer your question, how do I make that choice? It's a one millimeter choice. It's 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 not an astronomical choice. It's a one millimeter choice. It's the choice to determine whether or not I'm going to live in my own reality or I'm going to see the world from the Rabbani Shalom's reality, which means that this is just an imagination anyway. 
you know, I know Rav Tzvi is very into the Matrix. Yeah? yeah. In order to understand a lot of these ideas, if you've seen the Matrix, it happens to help tremendously. In the Matrix, when he learns that the world isn't real, all of a sudden he can do anything. Yeah. yeah? Once you learn that the Rabbani Shalom gave you this world, but it's not real. Your experience is very real. But in, in the Rabbani Shalom's world, you don't have any reality. You just have an identity. Only his existence is the truest reality. What does that mean? It means I'm able to accomplish anything. It's a one millimeter shift. It's a shift between... Is this real? Or is the Rabbani Shalom real? If the Rabbani Shalom is real, then I can do anything. And that means that I'm not, I'm not restricted in any way. And now I can live in multiple dimensions at once. Which is, by the way, when we get to the depth, again, not to get into this right now, we're going to get off topic, but that's why in the Beis HaMikdosh, there were multiple realities at once. There been, we know that the Beis HaMikdosh was a physical structure. And at the same time, Nisim V'Neflos are occurring all the time. The walls of the Beis HaMikdosh are expanding and contracting, depending on how many members of Kali Yisrael are in there. The Kodesh HaKadoshim fit the iron inside of it, even though the Kodesh HaKadoshim could not possibly fit an iron. How could that be? How could you live in a dimension of the physical world and at the same time not live in the dimension of the physical world? How could you live in multiple dimensions at once? That's a Soivet Kol Almond type of experience. When there's a real revelational experience, it's a soy of kol alma type of experience. Now let's finish this up, because his mom is going to make your point. your point. Yeah? How does a person leave Mitzrayim? How do they make that one millimeter shift? You got to be mavatal yourself. You got to submit. You know, in America, to submit to something means you're weak. Yeah, like the, it's, it's, a, it's a win by submission. Yeah, no, by us in Yiddishkeit, until you submit, you're only living in your own reality. You're confined and restricted. It's once you give into the truth, now you become free. Only a slave to the truth can be free. The more you mavatl yourself, the less space you take up, the bigger your world becomes. That's why, again, we're getting so off track here, but it's such beautiful stuff. We have to share it with each other. Yeah, that's why if you're talking about a life, the more people you have in your life, the less space you take up, the more enhanced your life is. So a person comes to a family event or an event where all a person comes to his wedding, he could mamish be in a tzafuf room and people are all on top of him dancing with him, but he mamish feels like a million dollars because he's got all his friends there, it's the happiest day of his life. He, the more people you have in your life, the less space you take up, the more enhanced your life is. So bitl by us is where it's all that. That's year. Yeah, I have to be mavato myself. So b'milam pshutos hanekuda hatichanos etzlo hikiyam ratzon baro. What does bitl mean? Let's, let's say it simply. Bitl means Rebbeinu Shalom. I want what you want. Forget me for a second. You know, today that's where again that's where Hasidus has it right, and today all the motivational speakers have it wrong. They're all like, take what you want, do what you want, make what you want happens. And in Hasidus, it's the exact opposite. Forget what you want. Stop being so narcissistic. What does the Rebbe want from you? Like the story of the Alter Rebbe, that a chassid came to him, and he gave him a whole list of things he needs. And the Alter Rebbe said to him, now I know what you need, but I don't know what you're needed for. Yeah? Like Rabbi Nachman Bresel said, if you're not going to be better tomorrow than you were today, what is the purpose of having a tomorrow? Tomorrow is, an, is another opportunity to serve the Rebbe Uh, but we always have to be better. We always have to strive to be better. Mm. In today we're at a good level. Tomorrow, hopefully, we'll be at a good level too. But that good level should be one step. We always have to be walking up those stairs. 
Life is life is an escalator, man, and it's going in the wrong direction. But that doesn't mean that you're you're wasted. Not nothing wasted. Doesn't mean that you're wasted. Tomorrow is tomorrow. Today was great, but tomorrow is going to be better. It has to be better. It's the nature of tomorrow. But that can only happen if I'm avatal myself. It can only happen if I want what you want. If I'm just sitting there doing what I want, so then why does tomorrow have to be better than today? Today was good. Tomorrow will be good. It's only good when it's good for him. That's why nobody's finding happiness in the world today. It doesn't matter what I'm doing, whether it's limit atayra, davening, doing a mitzvah, even I'm, I'm having a, just a, a delicious meal, a delicious barbecue, you know, ben azmanim. It's all l'shem shamayim. Everything's l'shem shamayim because I'm, I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for you. So too, when it comes to the mitzvah say By us, if you're talking about a level of bittel, if you're talking about that the Rebbeinu existence is the real existence, then it doesn't matter to me if I'm doing something that's, that the Rebbeinu wants me to do or staying away from something that the Rebbeinu doesn't want me to do. Like Adam Arishon. Adam Arishon was upset. What was he upset about? The Rebbeinu told him, don't eat from the tree. And Adam Arishon says, that's all you want from me? Not to do something? I want to serve you with action. That's why he did the Avera. He wanted to have. He wanted to give get actions. He wanted to get actions. But when you're living from a bechina of seyder kol amin, when there's a bittel to the rebbeinu it doesn't matter to you. I just want what you want. You want me to do something great? I'm going to do something great. You want me to stay away from that? I'm mamish going to stay away from it. It doesn't matter to me, because by as long as I'm doing what you want, I'm happy. I'm just as excited to not do an Avera as I am to do the greatest mitzvah. I'm, I'm just as excited to put on tefillin today as I am mamish to not eat, to not eat treif. It's a, to me, as long as you're happy, I'm happy. All I want is to do what you want. Like, for example, if you have two people that are serving the king, two, two officers, they're doing exact opposite things. One is, one is dealing with internal affairs, one is, one is dealing with external affairs. They're dealing in two different worlds. It's like, you know, it's like the FBI and the CIA. Yeah, the FBI does what it wants. And it doesn't care what happens to the CIA. And the CIA does what it wants. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter what happens to the FBI. That's why they never share information. That's why you have such a thing called 9-11. Had they been sharing information, 9-11 never would have happened. That's why they had to make all these acts to make sure that they were actually sharing information. But still today they fight. Because each one is only worried about what's best for them. But what happens when these two guards, these two officers, come in front of the king? Yeah? Now what do they feel? Now all of a sudden it's not about my territory. What is it about? Mm-hmm. We're, we're working for you. We're all working for the same boss. So therefore what do we have to have? We have to have cooperation. It's like two divisions of a company. Each one is trying to get the most budget. But what does the CEO say? I just want the company to be successful. Yeah? So that's the way it is by us too. If the king tells you, listen, you... You, you've got to give in a little bit to him. So then what do you say? Avada, if that's what the king wants, that's all I want. 
When you're standing in front of the king, what do you realize? It doesn't matter what I want. I'm not interested in what I want. What does the king want? If the king wants me to be mavater, I'll be mavater. If the king wants me to work harder, I'll work harder. Whatever, it doesn't matter. I just want to do what you want. I'm happy to work with anybody. You want me to work with this guy, I'll work with this guy. It doesn't matter to me. I'll work with anyone you want. As long as you're happy. That's why when you do a job well done, and at the end of the day, when the person you're working for comes over to you and says, you guys did great, how do you feel? You feel like a million bucks. Because we are happiest when the person we're working for is happy. When we're living, like we said before, in this level of maturity, when nothing is a steerer, when I'm able to live in two emotional realities at once, I can live at the same time I'm being pushed away and I'm being told, stay away from this, good, I'm happy. And at the same time you tell me, do this, good, I'm happy. I'm all living b'vasachas. It's not a steerer. By me, it's all the same. I don't care. Just tell me what you want me to do. I'm happy to do it. That's all I want. So by me, it doesn't matter. You're telling me stay away, I'll stay away. You're telling me to do, I'll do it. It doesn't matter. As long as you're happy. That's through this concept of the of the that everything is that I can live in multiple dimensions at once because from the Rebbe Nishal's perspective Mahalachim even Klipus even Ayla Mazayagashmi everything is all one Mamela I can live all one okay guys I gotta get you some sleepy Mamish being Moshe Nefesh Mamish is sheer for an hour and 15 minutes come out already okay an hour and 15 minutes flies by when you're learning Chassidus okay we'll figure out we'll figure out before Pesach to pick up the third parish